Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Greetings, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are doing things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you're listening to my voice for the very first time, I want to say welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And if you're coming back every single week, you know how much I appreciate you. I tell you every single week, but I don't get sick of it because you are absolutely, absolutely what makes this show possible. And I just really appreciate you, whether you're new or you are a uh, returning friend, thank you for taking time out of your day to expand and grow. Every single week, I am interviewing amazing humans making a beautiful impact in the world so that I can pull out their best content so that I can support you to create the impact that you want to create in the world. And today, I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest, Amber Hurdle. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, towards the beginning of the conversation, Amber talks about following the breadcrumbs. Look out for that tip and how you can leverage that to uncover your superpowers to build a life around your natural strengths. Number two, how you can leverage other people's perspectives as well as tests like how to fascinate to communicate your message more effectively. And number three, Amber's absolutely incredible story of being a teen mom and how she leveraged that experience to grow into who she is today. And if you're listening to this and you don't know Amber, here is her bio. Amber Hurdle helps professionals and businesses define and position their value, having learned about branding as a teen mom who repositioned herself into a multi-award-winning powerhouse businesswoman. Based in Venice, Florida, she has served celebrities, executives, Fortune 100 companies, and everyday leaders alike through her books, podcasts, and coaching programs. If you are listening to this and you are somebody who has a message to get out to the world and you want to do it in a way that is in alignment with who you are and your values, this is an absolutely incredible episode for you. I had so much fun and I can't wait for you to listen to this incredible interview with my friend Amber Hurdle. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Amber Hurdle, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. You have been on one heck of a journey, and I'm super excited to dive in. This is going to be so much fun. Thanks for being here. For sure. Thanks for having me, Brandon, and thank you for... Um popping in on that crazy journey of mine. <laughs> <laughs> All good. It's called life, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, and you, as you alluded to earlier, uh, right before we hit record, you got some, you got some mold in your house. You've had, uh, not access to your kitchen recently. It's been a little bit crazier, but you said it kind of in passing, you're like, um, if I could have gone through some of the stuff that I've gone through earlier in my life, this is just a little bit. And so I thought it'd be a great place to kind of share a little bit about your journey of what happened in your life around 16 years old. And uh, we can kind of start from there. Yeah. Um, the, the long and short of it is I got knocked up at 16. I was a good girl that uh, did that should not have happened to. I was just recently featured on um, channel four news, like a regional um, 
news station in the greater Nashville area and um, talking about like really big issues. And I was very involved in my high school after moving from Orange County, California. And race relations was something that was really big at the time The the high school had had a race riot the year before. And of course, I moved from Orange County, California and was like, what are we doing here in Lebanon, Tennessee? Lebanon for anybody who wants <laughs> to get right when you go. Um, but it's spelled Lebanon like the country. And, uh, and it just, you know, the, just between the move and the shock of the racism that I had found myself in and, um, you know, just being a teenager too, being a hormonal teen teenager, just going through the teenage stuff. Like, you know, we all find our paths of like numbing. Some kids get into drugs, some kids drink, some kids do. I found other things. And, um, and I, you know, was with, uh, my daughter's father uh, for years. And, um, you know, there's so many good things that came from that. And then obviously there were some massive challenges um, because it is not easy to have a kid when you were a kid and you're having to figure out how to adult um, when you, you know, don't even know the basics of being a teenager. So, right. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and it's, it's, it's incredible that you share that. And I appreciate you, you sharing that part of your story because it's like, you can have something like that that happens to you and you have two ways of approaching it mentally, right? You can be like, well, this sucks, or you can take the empowering route and leverage it as a transformational opportunity, which it seems like you clearly have because today you're a high level consultant doing some incredible stuff. But I'm just kind of curious if you can kind of maybe like fill in the gaps a little bit, because it's like, I can only imagine being a 16 year old, you know, barely having your driver's license. And now you have a kid, um, you know, you're like, I think I saw in another one of your bios, like you went from being on student council to like, oh my gosh, now I have like all this other stuff going on. Right. So like, how did you go about leveraging that experience? And despite having the quote unquote disadvantage the, to, to, to um, being raising a kid in those circumstances, what are some of the things that you decided to do to take the empowering route to kind of take you to where you're at today? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it begins with, you know, your, your inner circle of support. So that's something that's really huge to me is like, who do you surround yourself with? And, and so I was so fortunate that my parents were supportive. They didn't pay for anything, but, you know, we were allowed, we were able to live with them for uh, about a year or so. And, um, but just like the emotional support, the encouragement, um, you know, in that moment I decided I'm a mom, I'm not a high schooler anymore. And so I wasn't really worried about prom or things like that. I was worried about pumping breast milk and figuring out like, you know, <laughs> did I pack everything in the diaper bag? So it was just like putting that mindset on like radical acceptance. So mm -hmm. radical acceptance of the circumstances and then being more of a problem solver and not a victim. Um, and then surrounding yourself with the right people. Is, has been another big, huge, huge, huge learning um, opportunity. And then failing forward, honestly, was just, you can't look at your mistakes as death sentences. You have to just get really curious about them and be like, okay, well, that was kind of stupid of me. Hmm. <laughs> how could have I done that differently? Like, what did I learn from this? And what? how can I use that data to make it better in the future? And then the the fourth thing is, you know, just, living up to your commitments. And I made a commitment to my daughter in the delivery room saying, I'm going to give you every single opportunity that a, a baby not born to a team mom would have when they graduate high school. Um, and I do find that I still kind of get tickled about it. I'm 43 years old, y'all, like I'm old. Um, but I get tickled about it because it wasn't like when you turned 18, and why was that? Is because I was in high school. I was getting towards graduation. So that's what was in my mind. And um, and that was that was a big deal. And getting Brittany to just graduation was what I was looking towards. So um, you know, living in, in not that I didn't screw up a bunch, because I did, but I leaned into that commitment. That became my big why. And I wasn't gonna let my daughter down. Um, so just all of those principles just followed me along. And, you know, I joke often that, you know, there's that book, everything I needed to learn about life, I learned in kindergarten. And I, I'm just like, mm -hmm. well, I learned it as a teen mom. That's mm -hmm. where my life lessons came from that I uphold to this day. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell just from your language that you and I share, uh, I don't know if you would consider it a core value, but it's one of my core values. And my first core value is uh, uh, childlike 
curiosity. And it's like, that's kind of like your approach. It's like, well, hmm, like, what is, what does this mean? How can we take the empowering route? How can I create a life for my daughter that uh, would be, give her the same benefits that anybody else in any other circumstance would have? And you chose to do that instead of going the down the disempowering route, which is absolutely incredible. So let's, let's talk a little bit about like your entrepreneurial journey then, right? Cause like you have obviously raising a kid, but then I saw, you know, you've, you've done everything from event planning and promotions where you were, where you were working with Sony and Carrie Underwood and some other stuff and uh, events and communications manager. And now today <laughs> doing lots of other consulting stuff. So maybe talk a little bit about that transition about like how you evolved in your entrepreneurial journey uh, throughout the years, despite the fact that, you know, you were kind of starting from 16 um, with, with the, with being a team mom. Yeah, I, I'm good at public relations. That's like, if, if we're going to pick a word or like a phrase to use, it's public relations. And um, and and truly, the sweet spot for me is branding, obviously. But um, the the concept of that really began, um, you know, you go buy my book, not because I'm going to make a killing off of it, because I assure you, we don't. But just like that first four chapters really impacts a whole lot of this. But I, in my desperation, like that that breaking point of, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money. I've got to work four jobs. To oh, I'm stable now, and I can just work one job that came um, with a position that really allowed me to play with just my natural ideas. And so I wanted to market and I would find opportunities where I could partner with people or, you know, help somebody in the process and rally around a cause, which would also bring exposure to the company that I worked for. And then I, I worked for another company after that. And I decided at that company to go back because I found out, oh, this thing that I'm really good at is called public relations. I could go get a degree in this and then maybe I can do it at a bigger scale. And um, and so I went back to college and because obviously, well, not obviously, but I dropped out before because it was just too much. I had to feed my kid. And, um, and so I learned a lot about key stakeholders, about messaging, about positioning the value of something about sharing how that is um, a value to the person, the what's in it for me principle. So I had already learned sales. That's an obvious way for anybody to quickly increase their income because it's commission-based. So the harder you work, the more you know you get out there, the, the quick, faster you increase your income. So I learned some of these principles in sales, but because I'm a promoter at heart, sales wasn't enough for me. I'm like, let's generate more sales. Well, that's not the job of the salesperson. That's the job of marketing and public relations. And so I just was kind of toying with things because like you said, I'm a curious person and I like to break things and fix them. And um, once I got my degree in PR, then that just set me on a trajectory that was completely different. And that's where I really found that my sweet spot was branding mm -hmm. and helping companies and individuals define their value and then position their value in a way that's either profitable or opens up opportunities um, with people or, you know, just um, things that open up for you that might not have otherwise. Mm. I love that for so many reasons. I'm going to latch on to two key words that you said there that that just stood out to me. One of them was um, you talk about PR almost essentially being like a superpower of yours and branding being like a superpower of yours. And I know that's kind of like one of the facets that you talk about, uh, when you talk about branding content is when you're building a personal brand, it's really hard to identify and discover your superpowers. Right. And so I'm just kind of curious to, on your journey of uncovering those superpowers and leveraging those strengths for you, how do you encourage other people to uncover that for themselves that they can then leverage into their personal brands? Yeah. Again, this is a whole chapter in my book. I, I always say, follow your breadcrumbs. That's where I want to start first. Um, following your breadcrumbs is looking back on your life, just like, you know, Hansel and Gretel went out into the forest and they dropped breadcrumbs so that they could find their way back home. And life has a way of doing that. So I invite people to just go all the way back to childhood who were you in your family? I was the middle child. So I was always the one that was helping everybody see things, you know, differently. If my older sister and my younger brother were fighting, I was the one in the middle kind of mitigating that. I was the person that was always, you know, bringing people together. Um, and, and so those are things that evolved into my adult persona. 
when you go to junior high, like, were you a cheerleader? Did you play football? Were you a math nerd? Like, what was your thing? And then just kind of keep going through the different seasons of your life, high school, college, were you in a fraternity? You know, did you drop out and join a band? Like, did you do a, a, a year abroad of just backpacking through Europe? Like, what, what were the major things in your life? And then once you have those anchors, then I want you to go back and find the commonalities. For me, communication and engagement, since I could breathe, have been the things that have drawn people to me, where other people found that value in me. And so once you have that baseline understanding of what have I proven to myself is important to me and other people value, then I say go to U University. I don't care if you take a Disney princess quiz on Facebook, it's data, okay? Mm -hmm. But fortunately, there's more sophisticated, scientifically validated assessments out there. <laughs> so take as many assessments as you can and then start finding the common threads through that. And then mm -hmm. once you look at like, okay, well, what does my history tell me? What does science tell me? Behavioral science tell me? Go one more step. Ask other people. Just write this down if you're listening or watching. Write this question down. What is the one thing that you think I undervalue about myself? Because that's probably your superpower. Because I could just assume that I'm excellent at these things, that everybody's excellent at these things. And guess what? They're not. They're just not. Now, I'm terrible at a lot. We could be here for three weeks talking about all the things I suck at. But I know that this is the thing that I'm good at. So I can invest so much time and energy um, into that. And I can depend on income being generated from this superpower of mine. And I don't worry about the fact that I just spent way too much time in Excel spreadsheet working on SGNA and trying to figure out commission structures and forecasting revenue. Like I hate that I can do it, but I'm, I, it's not my favorite. So like, I would never build a persona around that where people can count on me to carve up an Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. There's so much gold. Um, I just want to recap and make sure yeah. people are pulling out too. And, and like, there's like, this is such a common theme of like, basically it's because I'm looking for it, but like there are several quotes, several of my favorite quotes. One of them is you can't read the label from inside the jar, right? Yeah. Like you can't, okay. you can't, like if you're sitting inside your pickle jar, you can't read the nutrition packs until you have somebody else in your life that is sharing you. So like that question that you asked, so I'm always on the lookout for incredible questions. I typed it out just in case you're on a treadmill or you're driving and you want to get this later. What is the one thing that you think I undervalue about myself? What a powerful question. If you want to be a super hyper nerd about it, like I've done this in the past where I've put together like a Google form. Yeah. So, so do that. And then uh, a few of the things that came up for me too, that I think is just so, so incredible. I had this perspective shift uh, a few weeks ago now I'm a good friend of mine, Dr. Benjamin Hardy wrote the book 10 X is easier than two X with uh, Dan Sullivan. And that book's coming out in a few weeks. I just interviewed him, but one of the concepts, I think it was in 10 X or it was one of Dan's concepts where they talk about procrastination is actually a, a good thing. It's a hint at your genius. So if you're procrastinating at something, or if you're, you're not liking the fact that you have to do those spreadsheets, it's actually like a hint that you need a who in your life to fill that out, to complement your, your superpowers. Um, and then the last thing, and then I'll shut up. I want to get back to you because I, I, I love that you shared the importance of the science and then also things that are like texting yourself and or texting friends and going back through those breadcrumbs. Cause you know, you talk about, I'm sure, I think you and I are probably the same where I'm, I'm a test nerd, right? Like I yeah, have a, sure. I have a whole, I, you know, PMAI, StrengthsFinder, uh, um, Colby, you know, the, the, I know one of the ones that you're, that you're huge on fascination advantage, which I'd love to talk about a little bit as well. Sure. But it's, I, I think the important thing too, is not only taking the individual tests, but like you alluded to is what are all the tests together saying? And I think that's a really important thing that I did is when I, I took all of my tests and I put it in like one massive doc and I'm like, okay, what are all these things saying together? So I love all of that that you just shared. It was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, but that's why you're that's why you're along so far in your journey is because you do stop and say, okay, what do I need to know about myself? Self-awareness is like the most powerful thing you can possibly ever invest in. Like if you are not a self-aware person, it doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world to invest in real estate or stocks or whatever, like you will never reach your capacity if you don't understand the value that you bring and what lane you should be swimming in. And when you're able to develop self-awareness, only then can you see and harvest the greatness in others because you can see yourself in other people or you can see the contrast that, oh, this person isn't like me. So now I can make some reasonable assumptions about that person and how they want to be treated, not necessarily 
that I would treat them the way I want to be treated. Now you can tap into their potential and motivate and influence them. Now you're exponentially growing, you're reaching your influence. And it all starts with just looking inside. Yeah. A hundred percent. I want to, I would love to dig into your knowledge on fascination advantage specifically, because I know this is like one of your favorite tools that you leverage, but there's one other thing that in passing that I know is also inside of your book. That's really important about defining your mission, vision, values, and service. And I feel like, um, you know, people have heard that before, right? Like you've heard, oh yeah, I got to have my mission, vision, values. But like to me until last year, until I clearly defined my values and my superpowers, it was like, for me, the game that I played, it was almost like, I want to, I was treating it almost like, um, I'm going to put all of these variables out. And if I were designing a game for this human, this person named Brandon to build, like how would I use his strengths and how would I use his values? So anyways, I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about like, kind of like the next step, maybe, maybe you don't consider this the next step, but like, if you have your superpowers defined, how, where does the core values and the, the vision come into play when, when we're talking about personal branding as well? Yeah. I mean, that is, gosh, I think I wrote my first personal mission statement. I was like 21 years old. I think I read a Stephen Covey book or something. And, um, and, and it just, it is the framework for your life. It is the measuring stick for what is for you and what is not for you. And the way that I explain setting your own, whether it's a company or a personal brand, your mission, why am I here? What's my deal? Um, what's the vision? Where am I going? What do I aspire for? And then the values, how am I going to decide if this is for me or not for me? Um, and then I have a life statement too that I read every single morning that just like depicts the life, my ideal life as if I'm living it right now. And the reason why those things are so important is because we can get off track so quickly. Just think about all the noise in the world now. Like, gosh, this is a whole different game from when I was 21 years old. But when you make choices, they're either going to move you towards who you want to become and all the goals that you have for your life, or it's going to move it away. If I date this person, if I hire this person, if I'm spending every Friday night with this person, let's just say that my vision is to be a healthy, um, emotionally well-adjusted person who is contributing richly to a business community and my personal community. And I have um, deep, meaningful relationships and no superficial anything in my life. If that's what I say I want for my life and my values are personal freedom and family and integrity, and then I'm hanging out with people who are getting drunk every night, who are not, you know, business owners, or they're not, you know, uh, focused on their professional life, who leave their kids with a babysitter all of the time while they're out drinking. Like, are those the kind of people that are going to move me towards the person I want to become, or are they going to move me away? There is no stagnant. It's either towards or away. I can assure you at 43 years old that this <laughs> is true. And so, you know, it's people, it's, it's evaluating opportunities. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with people who, um, you know, they're, they're in business and they're trying to decide, you know, do we partner with this? Do we bring on this, you know, strategic alliance or who do we pick to invest in us? We have two different private equity firms who are wanting to invest in the company. How do we even make that decision? Well, does that private equity firm move you towards the kind of company that you want to become or away from? What are their values? Does their culture vibe with your culture? So it doesn't matter if it's an individual or if it's a business, it doesn't matter what the topic at hand is. If you are so clear on who you are as a human being and what matters to you in your life, you have your rule book. That's the constitution of your life. And if you can't follow the constitution, you don't get citizenship. Bye. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you, you mentioned, and you shared so much in there and you shared some of your, your values of personal freedom, family, and integrity. And you said you had uh, a statement that you read every single morning. Is that, did you just share some of that? Or do you have, do you have a memorizer? Would you need it? I'd be curious if you'd be open yeah, to sharing what that is. Just I people have an example. I can pull it up right now. Um, and just while you're pulling that up, because one of the things that I found super valuable is 
Um, I've done this exercise for myself as well. But one of the things that I find is that I am not able to get myself to read something every single day, but I am <laughs> able to get myself to listen to something every single sure. day. And so what I did is I actually audio recorded my future self, uh, some of my affirmations and some of my identity work that I'm working on right now. And so um, if as you listen to this, maybe think about some ways that not only do you have an asset like this, that is helping you to kind of either go towards the mountain or away from the mountain as Amber was sharing, but um, how can you make it accessible for you, whether that is something like something that you're reading every single day or you're listening to. So yeah, we'd love for you to share Amber. Yeah. And I have this audio recorded as well for that same reason. And y'all mm. just, I mean, Brandon's already learned I'm super transparent. Like, you know, I'm just what it, it is, what it is. Um, in the past year, I I've moved twice once out of a community that I was in for almost 30 years. Um, the, the time before that was because I was leaving you know, a very nice neighborhood and a very nice, I went through a divorce. So I lost a husband. I lost family. I lost friends. I moved, I moved again. Um, you know, business, all kinds of crazy things happen. So there's sometimes where you're just in the mud and you're not in a place for consistency. And so it is nice to hear your voice in the tone of health and, and joy to be able to say those things to you. And, you know, throwing back to teen mom, as you said, at the, the beginning of the interview, um, Knowing that I was about to go through the gauntlet, I had to remind myself, you've been through far worse than this. And when certain mm -hmm. friends would say things like, oh my gosh, I can't. And I'm like, a divorce? That's like, that's all I got to deal with right now? Like, let me tell mm -hmm. you about 1999. Like, let's <laughs> talk about that. So it's all, you know, it all comes together. This is kind of lengthy. So I'll start reading if we, if we sure. need to can. But um. So I always start with, I am so grateful that because I speak things as if they're already in place and that's how I've gotten yeah. through my life. So I'm not necessarily a big manifesting woo woo kind of person, but, um, you know, whether you're a spiritual Bible person or a manifesting kind of new age kind of person, I'm somewhere in the middle, like God says in the Bible, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move and it will move. Um, and it tells you to ask for what you want. So it's all saying the same kind of stuff is just in a different lens. So I am so grateful that, that I'm connected and guided by source. All good things come to me. My purpose is filled through my vocation and I serve with ease and joy, which attracts people who are hungry to do their work and who are happy to financially reward my team and our efforts to support and guide them on their path to becoming. Because our intense and sincere focus, we're a multi-million dollar business that impacts millions of leaders. Our culture is fun and rewarding. Gifts are celebrated and humans are cherished. My team shares in the abundance we generate together and their lives are forever changed financially and spiritually. My daily life is adventurous, active, and I have a natural desire to flow and exist in this way. I'm strong, lean, yet womanly in appearance with bright skin, bright eyes, healthy hair, and arrested presence. That's important, y'all. Don't mm -hmm. show up all haggard to this life that you say is awesome if your body is breaking. Mm. I digress. Family feels their importance in my life and priorities, and we enjoy healthy, balanced relationships. Love languages are honored and celebrated. We share fun in activities and in helping each other to continue to grow. I continue to treasure my heritage, and I'm guided by it. My environments are opulent, yet approachable. The colors surrounding me are soothing. Music sets the mood, along with calming and invigorating essential oils and other natural scents. I have a beautiful art collection that delights me. The food I eat is delicious and is my daily medicine. The nourishment and art of it I share with those who I love most. My house is as chemical-free as possible, and how we live honors the sacred fragility of the earth. My life partner, love, fosters... An emotionally intimate, balanced, challenging, and sacred experience where we support and push each other to grow into our highest selves. My friendships are deep, trusting, and limited to only those who authentically show up as themselves. Comfortably swimming in the deep end most of the time, I'm living my purpose by using my God-given gifts in service to others, and I am at peace. That is my Comfortably idea. living in the deep end. I love that. Oh man, oh, that was I'm so always good. in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. And like, uh, here's here's a. Here's a shortcut. I, and um, I did this the other day and it was really fun because one of the things from 10X is easier than 2X with uh, Dr. Ben Hardy. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry this has come up so much. I'm just like in it when, no, I'm, I love when, it. I'm, in, when I'm, but like one of the things he talks about is like your past and your future are constantly changing drafts. And so you have to leverage your future self as almost like the lens that you use to rewrite the past and they're constantly being updated. And so one of the things that I think is super powerful is one, I would encourage you to hit that backskip button and re-listen to the specificity of what Amber 
member shared, I think that's super, super powerful. But two, um, one of the things that I did recently is you can use chat GPT to just put in some bullet points of like, this is what I want my life to like. And it will come up with a ridiculously detailed version and, and make it visual and all that kind of stuff. So um, I just it. found that sometimes like a blank page is like really hard, but if you at least have some high level values that you want, you can kind of have chat GPT kind of like <laughs> create some uh, meat around the bones. But thank you so much for sharing, Amber. I think that's incredible that people have a tangible example about how somebody is leveraging those things in their lives actively. And some people are more visual. Like I, I do a, a vision board every year as well. And I'll go all the way back to, I mean, Brittany was probably in first grade or so. And we sat down and literally drew with pencils and she, cute. she had certain things that she wanted. And I would drive my kids around y'all. I was broke. I was a broke single mom. And, uh, and I would drive them around affluent neighborhoods and we would pick out the houses that we were going to live in. And, oh, mm. I do you want an outdoor fountain in the center or no, like, just like we were shopping as if it was going to happen. And, um, and I'm proud to say that we're doing okay now and we all have what we want now. And, you know, it's just really, no one is going to give you anything that you don't believe is for you to have. So I want you to think about going through the mall when there's like those middle kiosks and they're like, hey, would you like me to, you know, clean your jewelry or would you like to try this hair thing or let me put this lotion on your hands? They're so enthusiastically selling their product. And so you're kind of like, uh, um, okay, let me try. I mean, I was going to go shop over here, but let me see. You're giving them the opportunity because they so believe in their product, or at least they're acting like it. <laughs> if that person was like, oh, you don't want to try this. It's probably not going to work. Are you going to stop? No. So don't walk through life as if you're in the center of a mall telling people that your product isn't worth their time or attention. Like you are your product. Show people how valuable you are and hit them over the head. Don't be rude about it. Don't be sleazy, but never stop articulating your value and where you plug in in service to others. That's the key in service to others because nobody gives a rip about what you have to offer if it doesn't impact them. We're just, that's human nature. Mm. That's so beautiful. And let's let's kind of tie into something that we planted before with where we're at right now, because I think that one of those ways of being able to articulate your value is having like an objective perspective on it, right? And so um, I, I, I wanted, I had this in my notes to make sure that we talked about this because um, as a test nerd myself, uh, fascination advantage is one of the things that I have taken, but I don't think I fully leveraged it. So, so maybe before we dive into like the nitty gritty, like, like of all the tests that you've taken, why do you decide to focus on fascination advantage as one of the primary tests that you leverage when you're helping yourself and your clients create a, a brand that encompasses all the stuff we've been talking about so far? Sure. Yeah. So most assessments, and I'm also certified in the predictive index, which is a behavioral profile. Um, the reason why we take all of those assessments is to help us understand how do I psychologically see and process the world? Fascinate doesn't do that. Fascinate shows you how does the world see you at your most influential, at your best. And so it's a branding assessment. And so if I'm using PI, for example, I want to know, okay, well, what are your innate needs in a work environment? And then how do those needs drive your behavior? We can predict your behavior if we understand your needs. That is so great to make sure you have the right seat um, or the right person in the right seat. We don't need that for Fascinate. What we need for Fascinate is to understand what parts of me do I put out into the world so that I instantly fascinate somebody? So I instantly draw somebody's attention and become memorable. So when you take how to fascinate, it'll, it'll give you um, descriptive words. So you get all these adjectives and it gives you, there's, there's seven ways that you can fascinate. And so you, when you combine all of those and you have 49 different archetypes. So for example, I'm a catalyst, which means I'm highest mm -hmm. in passion, the language of relationship, and I'm second highest technically tied um, in innovation, the language of creativity. So when I go into an organization, for example, or working with an individual, first, I'm going to create that warm emotional connection. I'm going to build trust. And then I'm going to be like, and guess what? I'm going to need you to change this. People don't like change by and large. I do. I'm wired that way. But most people don't like change. That's why there's whole companies that are about helping people and companies move through change because it's so hard. So the, the way that I do it is I, I build trust and then 
continue that trust. I'm going to walk alongside you as you go through this scary change. And then when you get on the other side, you're going to be like, hell yeah, I'm so glad I did that because the juice was way worth the squeeze. And then that continues to build trust. And then that's how I fascinate. What's yours? Do you remember your archetype? Yeah, yeah. I'm a provocateur. So I have I have uh, innovation is my primary and mystique is my secondary. So <laughs> that is fascinating, like really fascinating. So you then are the language of creativity mixed with the language of listening. So I can imagine that when you come into something, you're kind of like internally, maybe like both guns blazing of like, oh, these are all the possibilities, but maybe you just kind of sit back and collect all the information, observe all the body language, take in all the different data before you act. Is that pretty Yeah, accurate? I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. So you're the kind of person, if I'm in a room with, because I'm passionate and I can't keep my mouth shut, I would, I would if I knew that you were high in mystique, I would ask you questions and I would shut my mouth until you had the space and time to formulate what it is that you want to say, which might take you a second longer because you're pulling all kinds of data points out while I'm just word vomiting. And if I don't shut my mouth, I don't get to receive all the greatness that you can bring. We're both innovators. So I'm innovating with motor mouth and you're innovating with observation. If we were to bring those two <laughs> things together, like we would break the knob off. <laughs> that's that's incredible. I appreciate I appreciate that. So I'm just kind of curious. So if if somebody is listening to this and they've taken the test and maybe they're a catalyst like you or maybe they're a provocateur like me, how do you then I think it's interesting the broke the breakdown that you just gave exemplify the dynamics in like social situations. It's essentially like, and it's funny because I'm hearing your velvet machete-ness inside of the way the way that you do it. So maybe we can get to that in a little bit. But like, you know, how do you encourage people? Like, let's say we're we're creating like a visual identity or we're creating the messaging and the positioning. What are the ways that you begin to like extract that result into informed information that will help you to kind of create almost the the messaging or the copy or the way that you position on on your brand? Yeah. So you would, um, with mystique, it's that's, I mean, you can get really sexy with mystique. You mm, can, I like, like sexy. <laughs> yeah. Sexy's always good. Sexy's always good. But like, and I mean, like, I don't mean sexy, like, you know, red lipstick and stiletto heels. I mean, like sexy as in like, Ooh, I'm being drawn in. There's, there's something intimate here. You're not sharing all the information. Like I'm having to lean into you to get things like you come to me. I'm like, it's all out there. There is no mystique to Amber Hurdle. Let me just tell you right now. I'm dormant <laughs> in mystique. No poker face whatsoever. Um, but with you, like you could like the create the creative ways that you could position things, the creative visuals that you can use, things that are outside of the box, things that are un um unexpected. So you're gonna have that piece of it, but then you're gonna layer it with little hints and teases. Like you might, you might post something today and say like, Oop, we've, we've got something under wraps. We're announcing next week. Stay tuned. And then maybe in a couple of days, you send out another email to your list or you put it onto social media and you like, you might show just a corner of something that you're working on. Like you just tease little bits of information until people are like, well, what, what is it? Like they, they're like, now they're shaking you because they want that information. That would not work for me. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. You're saying, now I'm tying all your concepts together, like for me, and I've done a lot of work on this too. Like I love the visual though, that you talk about the breadcrumbs, like what were the breadcrumbs in your life? And for me as a kid, I loved magic, right? Like I, I had, I had the decks of cards and my brother got fucking sick of me asking him to like be my participant for him <laughs> to show whatever trick it was. But it's funny because Brett now is way better at magic than I am. And he's now I'm his participant, but it's funny because it's like, that that was another kind of hint and it's in alignment with like a test. So I think that's another way that these kind of sure. like worlds are coming together too, which is super valuable for anyone to, to view those correlations too. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a professional speaker. I open national and international conferences. That's what I do. I was also on the debate team in college. I was also always the, the person that everybody's like, okay, group project, who's going to present it to the class? Amber, my first speech meet, I was in the sixth grade maybe. And, and I got a blue ribbon <clears throat> at the California state speech meet. Those are all things that show like, you know, what I do for a living is in most people's top three fears of their life, you know? So like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, that's data. Everything yeah. 
data, even the mistakes, even the things that you suck at, like that that's data too. use it. Yeah. I love that. One more thing on this, and then maybe we'll, we'll get to a little bit of uh, machete, velvet machete-ness before we, we wrap up. But like another thing I know you talk about and that this is part of the fascinate stuff is creating an anthem. So I would love for you to maybe share what your anthem is and, and, and how people could go about creating that if they've taken uh, fascination advantage or choose to after listening to this. <laughs> Remember, I'm high in innovation, which means I'm not going to follow the rules or do it your way. So okay. um, Sally Hogshead, who is the creator of, of How to Fascinate, um, the discoverer, as we say, and uh, she's a great mentor and a New York Times bestselling author and um, a Speaker Hall of Famer. She's just an amazing human being. And, uh, and she approves of my anthem, which is Velvet Machete. It is a noun and it is an Oh, adjective. that is, okay. That is so my that anthem. that is the tagline. I love that. Awesome. That is my anthem. Um, but for most people, what you want to do is like decide what is what is it that you do. Um, so what is that noun that describes what you do? I mean, truly, I am a machete. I'm going to cut. I, I want to pierce your soul. I want to cut the bullshit. Like, I just want to get it all cleaned up and I want us focused on what we need to focus on. That is who I am. Um, some people love it. I'm not for everybody, uh, but the velvet part describes how I do it. So let me just take a step back on velvet machete and then I'll tie it back to the anthem. Mm -hmm. The machete cuts to the chase. It captures your very limited attention in today's world, but the velvet wraps the message in a way that's appealing to that distinct audience. So what I usually say to describe this is it's like nike we all nike has a strong brand i don't change my brand i'm still a machete nike is not going to communicate or market to a soccer mom who's interested in buying athleisure wear the same way that they're going to communicate and market to a performance athlete trying to shave a second off their time those are different right. conversations nike's still nike the swoosh just do it powerful athletic brand but their, their messaging changes based on their audience. So as the velvet machete, that's what I do. And it's what I help other people do is I get people's attention with branding and I massage the message with the velvet, depending on who the distinct audience is. So when you take the how to fascinate assessment, just determine what you are. Maybe you're a communicator. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you are a um, instigator. Like, I don't know what that is for you. And then you have all of these different adjectives that you can find throughout the assessment and on the graph and everything, and just pick the one that describes that. So just to be super vanilla or baked chicken breast, which I would not recommend, but it could be like dynamic communicator. And then, you know, every time you go into the room, whether you're walking into a boardroom or you're about to do a pitch or you're, you know, about to, you know, try to impress your girlfriend, whatever it is, you know, when you walk in your highest value is being a dynamic communicator. So start there and then you will fascinate. And then you can pull in all the other parts of your personality and your experience and all that kind of stuff. I like velvet machete though. Cause it's like, I can picture a velvet machete. I can't picture a dynamic communicator. Right. So it's funny. I, um, do you know, Alexander Watkins by chance? Does that name ring a bell to you? I, I, I'll, I, I will have to connect afterwards to see if you'd be interested in connecting with her. I can reach out, but she wrote the book called, um, well, she's got a naming company called eat my words. Yeah. She named the Baconator. Yeah. So she yeah. was on the show a few weeks ago. I'm going to be working with her on some stuff, but like, that's one of the things that she talks about in her memorable acronym. Uh, it's called smile versus scratch, but one of the, uh, the I and smile is for imagery. Right. And like, that's what I think is so cool about your velvet machetes, because not only is it, is it memorable, the, uh, the M and smile, but that you can picture, it's kind of like a fun picture. Like I've never seen a velvet machete, but I can imagine what that would look like. And so I think it's cool that not only have you found an anthem, but you found a way to package it in a way that is sticky for other people. Like you're just kind of the velvet machete. You are the velvet machete. It's like a, it's like a, yeah. a alter ego too, which is great. <laughs> and we certify velvet machete leaders. I mean, when, when we, we haven't done the program this year, um, and it'll probably be 2024 before we reintroduce it. But when you get certified as a velvet machete leader, then you have learned how to be a confident and compassionate leader. That's what that means in terms of leadership. And it's the same concept, you know, the machete is the, is the confidence part, but the compassion has to be there too, to get people's attention and communicate with them in a way that is meaningful to them. That's going to get them to offer discretionary effort and have productivity and all those kind of things stay in alignment with the culture. 
Yeah, that's so cool. I I tend to make this mistake sometimes towards the end of an interview because I'm just so curious. I just want to ask about everything. So I'll, I'll try to squeak this last one in and then we can we can wrap sure. things up. But um, let's talk about the velvet component of the velvet machete. One of the things that you just talked about was like essentially like the way I translate it in my brain is like you're leveraging data, you're leveraging audience information to craft mess messages that you know will land with someone. So if somebody wants to communicate with that velvetness for, for lack of a better term, what are some of the suggestions that you might have for people to leverage data and insights of their audience to craft the message that is going to land with them more effectively? I love starting with generations. Um, and, and like any other subgroup of human beings, this is not, you know, universally accurate, but in general, you can assume I'm a Gen Xer, I'm an MTV baby. Um, I was half of my life analog and half of my life digital. Um, so we're not even half the first of my life was analog. Um, I remember life before the internet. And so you're going to talk to me differently. I have different life experiences. I watched Enron F over the entire country. Like I don't trust anybody. I don't trust. I'm, I'm going to just take care of my own self. So how you motivate me is going to be different than like a Gen Zer who has but much greater need for psychological safety, who has been through gun violence um, in their schools and, you know, and, and terrorism on U.S. soil. I mean, these are things that like when I was growing up, it's like every, every once in a while, we'd have to jump underneath our desk because the Russians were coming. And, you know, that was the worst thing that can happen to us. But that's not the reality for like my kids. And so when you are communicating different things, like to my group, we don't want a lot of fluff around anything, just, just get to it. And then you have gender or gender identity. Um, and then you have geographic locations, how I'm going to speak to people in the South, the Southeast of America is going to be vastly different than if I'm speaking in the Northeast of America. Um, when I have different audiences that are mixed, um, you know, international and U.S., that needs to be taken into consideration, too. So there's all these different things that help you really have to put yourself into the place of understanding the platinum rule. So golden rule is do unto others the way that you want done to yourself. That's not super helpful. Platinum rule is do unto others the way that they want to. But if you don't understand what motivates them, you know income level, how Dollar General, which is one of my favorite companies, and I'm a proud Dollar General person, Dollar General is not going to market to their audience like Gucci markets to me, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'll get a text message from my Gucci rep, and she, she knows what I like, and she's going to send me a beautiful picture and describe all the different places I can wear that and be happy about it. Ain't nobody at Dollar General text messaging me on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> tell me about what they just got in the store. <laughs> there's a high level luxury experience. And then there's the circular mailer that I get stuffed in with all of my other junk mail. That's going to tell me what's happening. We got, we Amber hurdle. Do we have the plunger on sale for you? You got to yeah, come check right. out. The <laughs> Front and center and cap. It is only $6.99 this week. <laughs> Oh the man, I love the coloring and the fonts and everything and where are they putting it and what's the vehicle and all that. That is the velvet. That's the velvet. Yeah, I love that. There's so much to that too. And I think like it seems like uh my synthesis was essentially you start like wide generationally and then you're kind of like narrowing more and more the focus and i'm sure the more of the data points that you have it's like okay I'm, I'm targeting mostly gen x they are um primarily male or female they live in this location like like that you're and then obviously once you get to the psychographics of like um you know what industry that they typically work in or if their parents or all those kinds of things like those all inform the way that you can craft your message in, in a way that is going to land with them more effectively. Yeah. And it's, it's language too. It really is language because the words that I might use are going to be different than the words that my kids use. The like with, I have employer brand central, which is an employer branding agency. That's what we do. We don't do all the branding, just employer branding and hyper-focused. And we work with middle market businesses. And so when you're working with middle market businesses that are often in the M&A space, they're being acquired or they're acquiring or they're getting funded or whatever, they're in some kind of round. And you know, you're know you gonna use different terminology to talk to that specific group as opposed to a Fortune 50 company. They're not 
talking about the same things. And so if you really want to connect and build that brand intimacy, and if you really want to show that you are willing to put yourself in the moccasins of the people that you serve, then you need to understand their language and speak to them in that. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, Amber, this has been absolutely, absolutely so much fun. Um, I have one question that I ask all guests at the end, and then we can find out where people can find out more about you and all the incredible stuff that you're up to. But I would love to know, Amber, what does happiness mean to you today? What is your current definition of what happiness means to you? I would say that happiness to me today is genuinely peacefulness. And that is knowing it's feeling safe, safe in my home, safe in my finances, safe in my relationships, safe in my business structure, safe in who I'm surrounding myself with. Um, if I'm feeling peaceful because there is safety in all of those areas, then that is when I feel happy. I think joy is a state of being and happy is a temporary condition. I love that. Don't want to add anything to that besides asking where can people find out all the incredible stuff that you're up to today, Amber? It's super easy. It's amberhurdle.com. And you can go to, if you're interested in the bombshell businesswoman, you can go down that path. If you are interested in Velvet Machete, you can go down that path. You can click over to employerbrandcentral.com from there. Listen to the podcast, buy the book. It's all right there. Um, and, you know, we are, we put out a lot of free because we understand that not everybody is in a position to work with people um, at, at, you know, a higher level if you're just getting started. And, um, and so that's why we just crank out content. Love <laughs> just that. Like Love that. <laughs> yeah. Go check out the podcast. If you want to hear more of that Southern accent, that, that, that beautiful <laughs> Tennessee accent from Amber, but man, this has been so much fun. And I just want to really quickly have a conversation with you listening. And I just want to say, you could be listening to any other show. You could be watching any other video on YouTube. You could be doing a bajillion other things, but there was something about this episode that tickled your fancy. Maybe there was a little bit of mystique in it. I don't know what I did, but um, you're listening for a reason. And if you've been listening so far, you know that there's absolutely something in here that could transform someone's life, whether it was hearing the journey that Amber has been on from getting a being a teen mom to being a high level consultant, or maybe it's that concept about breadcrumbs or core values or or, or leveraging your, your fascination advantage. There is something in here that can transform someone's life. So it would absolutely make my day. It would make Amber's day. If you just took a second to think about one person that maybe is thinking about branding or trying to find alignment or making more effective decisions from positioning from their core values. We covered a lot of ground today. And so this can transform someone's life if you, if you choose to share that with them, but whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for listening and Amber, any final things you want to say before we head off today? I do. I have to brag on you. I've, I've been on a lot of podcasts in the past decade and I just sincerely appreciate the the research that you did and you came so prepared and the questions that you asked. And I, it's so obvious that you care deeply about your audience and the value that they're getting. So from podcaster to podcaster, I bow to you and, um, and appreciation. <laughs> I appreciate that. Namaste. <laughs> I appreciate Namaste. you so much, Amber, and we'll talk to you soon.